Hello and welcome to episode 60 of Just Keep Writing. A podcast for writers, by writers, to keep you writing. I'm Marshall. I'm Brent. It's just the two of us? Just kidding. No, there are three of us here this time, and this is our second edition of Just Keep Writing While Black. Um, If you're wondering why we started this and why this is in your feed, um, please check out episode 56, where we had our very first episode of this spinoff of Just Keep Writing. Um, But we're going to jump right into it. We have an amazing, amazing guest with us tonight. Um, And and you know what? I'm just going to turn it over and let you introduce yourself. Go ahead and let everybody know who you are and uh, just a little bit about yourself. Thanks for being here. Thank you so much for having me. So I am Shingai Njeri Kagunda. I am a Kenyan Afrofuturist femme queer writer, and I, I'm just honored to be in the space. I'm super excited to have conversation and share time and space with you all. And like to actually see your faces, even though it's on the computer screen, <laughs> the smiles are gorgeous and I'm here for it. <laughs> Uh, we we're, we're so stoked to have you. And we were kind of, uh, we told you this off mic, but our, I think our listeners should know we were gushing about your writing um, before you got here. Um, you write beautifully and we're just really honored to have you and really stoked to have you on our second episode of Just Keep Writing While Black. Um, and we're just going to jump right into it, I think. So uh, Brent, I'm going to turn it over to you. Go ahead and fire away, man. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. So first First question, I think, is the uh, this is probably the best one to get out the way. Um, what made you decide that you want to be a writer? And then why did you choose like science fiction and fantasy as the place you wanted to write? Ooh, OK. Um, I don't know if there was any one thing that made me decide I want to be a writer. I think I was like I was always a reader from when I was really, really young. Um, But the types of stories that I had access to were stories, which is like, this is the situation for a lot of Black writers, which they were stories which weren't about people like me. (laughs) And that kind of sucked. And I, I had the same experience as a lot of writers who I've heard also talk about this, um, like Chimamanda, where you would write stories with like white people and the snow. And like, I live in Kenya. I had never seen snow a day in my life. So <laughs> that for me was like, why am I writing stories about Sam and Jane playing in the <laughs> snow, which is wild <laughs> until, um, you know, I got older and I started reading um, a lot of, I, I studied English literature in undergrad. Um, and I, I fell in love with African literature and I realized there are spaces for stories of ourselves to be told. And just thinking about our own mythologies and histories and the spaces between the, the physical and the metaphysical, um, I thought there was a lot of room there to explore. Um, why fantasy or speculative fiction in general? I think for me it was because, um, Faith has always been a big part of my life. And I feel like our own histories and cultures come from from backgrounds where the spiritual is very viscerally part of the physical. So it's not even, you wouldn't call it fantasy. You would like, it's, it's part of everyday life. It's part of the real existence of black people throughout our history. So, yeah. Ah, that's such a great answer. I love it. It's so true. Like, (laughs) This, this, the stuff that so many, well, not even so many, but white cultures consider to be fantastical and supernatural is just like 
part of our everyday experience. Like it's yeah. our history, it's our culture. So yeah, no, I love that. I think that I mean personally, I think that's why I think black writers can bring something unique to speculative fiction because that's ingrained in us from the very beginning. So Oh for sure. And explain so much about why you're writing so good. <laughs> I mean, you kind of almost answered the next question I had because I was gonna I was gonna ask you what do you love most about writing in genre? But oh. I mean if you want to add to that, like <laughs> what I love most about writing in genre? Yeah. Um I I guess yeah, it it's basically is that and the fact that like there's room for it to be every version of itself. I think I was thinking I was actually talking about this yesterday with a friend where I was like I think my mind works in what if and not what is. And so oh, wow, even yeah. the way that I I think about stories it's always like there are so many what ifs, so many yeah. possibilities and that's what I love about specfic because it gives you permission to delve into the what ifs. <laughs> Yes, I love what if. Like, I mean, I use what yeah. if for like so much of my stuff too. It's like, well, what if this happened? What if Literally. that happened? Literally, like, yeah. What if, yeah. Like, it's like just not even chain. in storytelling. I'm always like thinking about scenarios in life. Like, yeah. <laughs> what if you just like landed, like fell down and found a million dollars on the ground? Yeah, yeah. No, I, I had the weirdest one the other night. I was like, what if I woke up? And I was just in another dimension as soon as I woke up. Like, I go to sleep and I wake up in a whole other dimension. What do I like, mean? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I started a what if folder in my Scrivener at some point and just like, just what if questions just down the line, just in case I that need an so idea cool. for a story or something. And it's just, and I get them from like reading science fiction articles and stuff. And like, as humans are doing things, it's like, well, what if they landed on Mars and then this thing happened or something? You know what I mean? And it's like, yeah. it's. It, I, I love that answer. What if? I love it. Yeah. What if? It's such a, <laughs> you can so many branches with that. So many branches. So since that, I guess, you know, you kind of laid out one foundational piece of your writing. Um, What three words would you use to actually describe your writing? Like if somebody was coming up to you and they were like, tell me about your writing, what three words would you use? Oh, and they don't wow. have to be like, yeah, it they don't have to make three sense. separate just... words. It doesn't have to make yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's such a good question. I think I would say black, honest, um, and not a word, a phrase, fucks with time. <laughs> yeah, I like that. Yeah. yeah. We'll, we'll okay. accept it. Yeah, we'll take it. <laughs> I mean, it's absolutely true, though, especially, especially those first two. Like, yeah. your, your work is so honest and cutting, and it just, like, gets to the heart of a thing. Like, so yeah. let's let's I want to I would love to dive in a little bit on on a couple of those, especially. I mean, is there anything that you want to expand on any of those three? I, I, I definitely let's leave the last one, because. I think I've seen that definitely in what I read today, but um, <laughs> as, um, we had black and then we had um, honest, right? Honest, so yeah. either of the two that you want to give us a little more on why, I, why you feel that way? Yeah. 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 Okay. So like I mentioned earlier to you guys um, that I, I have been teaching a class, um, a creative writing class. And I feel like, the first lesson that I taught my students, because it's also one of the most important lessons that I learned as a writer is that if your work is not honest, like the reader will be able to tell, like there will be something that will be off. Like, and honesty in this situation doesn't mean 
fact. <laughs> it means vulnerability. It means like putting some part of yourself on the page. And that is really, really hard because it requires you to kind of encounter yourself and your own demons, quote unquote. <laughs> and <laughs> yeah, and, and you know, you can write about aliens and monsters and all of that, but you can still make it an honest story. I, I truly, deeply believe that. And I think for me, um, both the stories that I wrote came from a very honest place. I think in the last year or so, last couple of years, I've been going through a lot of different types of grief. And so a lot of the stories that I've ended up producing in some way deal with grief. And that's that's my honesty coming out onto the page. Um, yeah, Black, I'm just... I will tell as many Black, Kenyan, femme, queer stories as I possibly can. Like, yes. <laughs> that's, <laughs> yeah. I'm like cheering in the background. I know you yeah, guys yeah. won't be able to see you, but I'm just like, yes. Yeah, those of you not benefiting from the video feed, we're yeah. both very excited about that. Yes, please keep doing that. <laughs> yes, like forever and ever. Just, yes, I'm here for it. Forever and, and ever. And one of the things I really enjoyed about the two pieces that I read um, today, and I think you do fuck with time. And so what is, is there anything behind that? Or is it just something you're, I mean, please tell us <laughs> why you chose that. Yeah. Okay. So, so many different things. I, um, I think on the one hand, I just, I think in some way that also messes with productivity and capitalism as we understand it today. <laughs> yeah. I feel like I, um, I, I've always been adverse to like linear conceptualizations of time, but didn't have the language to explain it or express it. Um, or why, because that is not something that like, you know, people will be asking you like, what do you mean? Like, just don't be late to shit. Like right. be on time. <laughs> why are you not here yet? And um, I think um, I came across someone who I quoted actually in, and this is how to stay alive, John Bitti's work mm. and a lot of diff other African theorists and thinkers who talked about alternative modes of thinking about time, which I was like, this is more cool. Also because it allows us to, to think about the, the past as not gone but as part of the present, which especially for Black people is so important to do because our history is so heavily ingrained in our current moment. There is no like escaping it. There's no exactly. running away from it. Um, and it also gives you permission to, I think for me, it gives me permission to like, to not think about endings, <laughs> to oh, think wow. about, yeah. yeah, to think about, um, that it always comes back, life always comes back into itself. Um, and and that's one of the ways that I've been thinking about it. There are a lot of other different things that I've been thinking about when it comes to time, but I think it also just helps me process my own grief and my own way of moving through the world as a Black person. Yeah. Uh, that's such a... Ah, uh, this is why the work is so good. Like, answers like these. Like, right? Like, wow. It, I just it, want you to keep talking, but I, we won't force you to. I, know. That, but I just, <laughs> I can just keep listening for for, I mean, for the whole rest. I mean, such good questions. <laughs> I just, we will try. Yeah, no, I definitely. Like, these are the type of questions I want to be asked on dates. Like <laughs> <laughs> people out here snacking. <laughs> <laughs> 
that's awesome. Well, um, so I guess did you want to transition to some of the um other questions, or did we want to kind of like yeah. dig in deeper on? Yeah, I think we should let's dive into the work because I think what's going to happen is um one of the focuses of this particular spinoff is trying to show, not really show, but basically talk people through that may not know what the differences is when it comes to publishing for black writers and Mm. hurdles that we will have to go through that um, white writers wouldn't have to and that kind of thing. So we're going to kind of transition into talking about um, what you've published and and what you have coming and stuff like that. And we're going to kind of talk about that journey unique that's unique to you does that make sense yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. and because what we because our first guest was a writer who um they have a debut coming out next year from a big mm-hmm. five so i wanted to transition and talk to not only i i, I wanted to talk to black writers from across the globe so we got really you know yeah. yeah so she was black american i was like well I yeah. definitely want someone from one of the countries on the continent. So, yeah. like, I, I was like, oh, well, yeah, Shin Guy's right here. Why not? Let's ask. So, <laughs> so, and Got I wanted, you. yeah, <laughs> so I wanted to kind of talk a little bit about um, just like your publishing journey so far and then like some of the pros and cons of, you know, that you've dealt with so far and like moving through an indie press kind of yeah. and whatnot. Yeah. So um, I guess just to start off with that, what have you published so far? And like, where can people sort of find each of these pieces? Oh, okay. Um, Yeah. So I have, I think my first published story was in um, Omenana. And... <laughs> It's a story called Holding On To Water. And I actually, it's so funny because this is literally one of the stories that got me into the MFA program that, it, that I'm in. And um, I had gotten, <laughs> I had workshopped the story before at a workshop back home in Nairobi. And I had gotten feedback that had made me feel like the story ain't shit. But it was already <laughs> after I had submitted it to like multiple places. And I was just like, man, I'm not a writer. <laughs> Don't know what I'm doing. Time to think of a backup plan. Um, and then it got accepted by Omanana and like I got into the MFA program and I was like, oh, well, okay, workshop. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, so that's a piece you can find. And this is How to Stay Alive, which is the short story um, that got pub- published in Fantasy Magazine. Um, and will become the novella that is going to get published by Neon Hemlock. Um, And most recently, well, other than that, I also got a flash fiction slash poetry piece published in fantasy called Black Man's Flight in Four Parts. Um, So good. Uh, There will be a link in the show notes to this, by the way. This flash fiction piece is amazing. So good. Thank you. Um, yeah, and I also have a flash fiction piece called Remember Tomorrow in Seasons, published at Fractured Lit. And um, and most recently, I got a tr- talking tree story published, which <laughs> I had so much fun writing um, at Choreo Magazine. So that's that's where my work is <laughs> yes these are some great venues like uh, you, you are very and you know that's another thing i really like about your work not i mean the work itself is amazing but i feel like 
and I don't know if this was intentional or not, but I just feel like your choices of where each of these stories landed were just like so perfect. I'm just like, yes, this story fits <laughs> that magazine. Like it, yeah. it works. So thank you so much. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> I'm glad they were excited about receiving the stories as yeah. much as I was excited about submitting them. No, yeah. absolutely. I just, I, I just like too that you preface the one as the talking tree story. Because yeah. I'm like, I started reading. I was like, this is a talking tree story. This is amazing. <laughs> and I just, I had to keep reading it. It was, it was so cool. So, so cool. Um, and it, that started as, started as a what if story. I was just like, yeah. I really want these trees to speak to me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so, yeah. so cool. So, um, all right. Yeah, go ahead. Let's, this is the one. Yeah. Jump into that one. So this is yeah. the one where we get into like some of the, you know, black issues. So what challenges have you encountered trying to break into the publishing field so far? Um, yeah. Okay. So I think, especially as an international black writer, it's been very, it's, it's, it's a very interesting um, journey because <laughs> I think one America is very centered on the global scale. So it definitely is. There is a conversation around like um, how to get your work seen everywhere else if you don't publish it from inside America, from inside the United States. Um, I, I think for me, I very much was thinking about how I don't have any other options, especially after I studied English literature. And I was just like, and my parents were like, what are you going to do with that? Like, you already speak the language. Why are you you studying English? (laughs) For what? (laughs) Um, But (laughs) um, no, then they became super supportive. But I, I, I knew that like, if I was going to apply for an MFA, because after that I worked at a bookstore. I worked at a bookstore for a, a year, um, and it was a hectic. It sounded really lovely at first. <laughs> it was like, wow, I'm gonna work at a bookstore. I'm gonna be around books all day, uh-huh. like reading half the time. That's not what it is. Oh, I've done that job for about a year, oh, and it's not that. It's, it's not it's that. crazy time. Yeah, it's wild. It is basically like service industry because, mm-hmm. like, you were dealing with customers day in day out. I was on the floor. Mm-hmm. Like, I love the recommending books part. That that was my favorite part about the job because it was like you have conversations with people and you get them excited about certain works and it's right. it's the most beautiful thing in the world um but it was also exhausting because it was like i lived like about an hour away from the city where like um the bookshop was and it was like nine hours out of my day at work and then like an hour and a half to get there, an hour and a half back. So by the end of the day, it was like a 12-hour day. I And I was just like, I need to get out of here. (laughs) And it's not like they're paying a lot of money in those jobs either. No, (laughs) no, because I had just come out of uni. So they were paying me the bare minimum, Mm -hmm. (laughs) like the app below the bare minimum. I was like, bruh, this cannot be my life for the rest of my life. We got to figure something out, dear God. Like, you need to come through that, Jesus, because. <laughs> um, but I that was when I started applying to, to um, MFAs. And I started, like, 
I started attending this workshop that was happening, this um, shout out to Naiwa, which is the Nairobi writing fiction workshop <laughs> that's cool. really, really dope. And um, that really helped me hone my skills because I knew that this was a thing that I wanted to do, um, but I had no idea where to begin because the world is so big and you just at that point you're seeing like books being bestsellers and you're like oh writers must be so rich because like <laughs> their books are all over the place <laughs> now we know now we know yeah. now we know <laughs> um but yeah so it was from the very beginning it was a hustle i really think that like writing itself First, it's a hustle, but like if you're black, it's an even bigger hustle. If you're not based in America, it's an, it's a wilder hustle because it's just it's it's you're not given or acknowledged as having the same amount of value as um, you know a white middle class writer. That's right. Right. <laughs> your stories are not given the same amount of weight as their stories are, um, especially to be inter like international stories, because I don't know why, but there's this assumption that like that type of story, the white middle class story is the universal story. So like everyone will be reading like, you know, right. all these different writers right. from here and I'm not going to name any names, but like. The, then there's no one reading anyone else from any anywhere else. Like, outside of those specific places right. so in africa you'd be reading african writers in india they'd be reading indian writers um so yeah so that was definitely one of the things as an international writer um coming here i think from the very beginning also at the mfa program i remember asking some of the people in my program like um yeah what's your goal what are you trying to do by the time you graduate and i knew for me like i had to have a book by the time i graduate because i'm like i have no backup plan like i don't have money that i can fall back on i told myself if i never have to work another nine to six job again in my life i will, I will do i've served my time if i can afford not to do it <laughs> i will try my hardest not to um but I knew that I had to get my name out there and that for me was like non-negotiable where I felt like a lot of the other responses from some more privileged writers were there was a lot more flexibility and room for like, oh, I just want to like see where the page takes me and mm. like, <laughs> mm. yeah. You're like, but where's the money? Right. right? <laughs> right. I gotta eat. <laughs> I gotta eat. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I gotta eat. I know. <laughs> I know that I don't have time. Like I, I don't know. I think the stakes as a writer, like me, like are always higher. The stakes are higher from the beginning. Right. So, yeah, it's definitely you. Definitely feel the pressure, and sometimes even add on to that pressure yourself. <laughs> Yo, and I, I'm so glad that you pointed out, which I kind of already knew you were going to. So I was like, this is why I, I wanted you on was just pointing out that yeah. American centricness to it, and especially the very mm -hmm. white American centricness mm -hmm. to the publishing field. Mm -hmm. Cause it's just, it's, it's so, it's so prevalent and it's so toxic and it just doesn't allow for, it doesn't allow for different kinds of stories to come through. Or right, we have to, we have to hustle in a way that other people don't hustle. Like a hundred percent. I mean, I'll just, you know, I'll call it out, but like, 
I, I see some of these people in Clarion and it's just like, oh, I'm just frivolously moving through life. And, <laughs> you know, I'll, <laughs> I'll publish my story in, you know, 10 years, whatever, because I have my I have my spouse taking care of me at home. And it's just like, yo, <laughs> like, I don't have that. <laughs> Not at all. This is why I personally, and I'm sorry if this is anyone else's process, but like I get so mad when people are like, oh yeah, I wrote like 400 words and then like threw it all out because I had to, I'm like, child, what do you mean you threw it? Like how? That's that's, that's 20 minutes of your time gone. Yeah. Like I don't have time to waste like that. I work a day job. Like, yep. Literally, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I work. I work multiple <laughs> Don't have jobs, the and I'm like, I am not throwing out any words. At some point, I might be able to use these words in something, you know. So if I'm sitting down to write something, I've got to. I have to have some intention behind yeah. it, because otherwise, I'm not. I'm not going to get out of these million jobs and all the stuff that we're doing, you know. No. So could you, yeah. could you imagine like just deleting documents? Because some people do that. No. I'm just like, why? Especially because I don't work, I work only digitally. So it's like, if I'm throwing something out, I have to go with intent to throw that out. (laughs) I have to be very angry at those words. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, That's real. I think think you've spoken to some real challenges. And I I hope people listening kind of like understand it. Like, it's already hard for like, black writers who grew up here let alone if you're coming from the international yeah. community and you're trying to break yeah. into this field it's just uh yeah it's a lot yeah yeah it definitely requires um a lot of i think community i think community is the only way that you own, you're going to be able to get through it yes. because it's so it's so hard and i'm so grateful to the people who have been like doing the work before me to make it easier for those who come after like yeah that that no that's <laughs> that huge. is wonderful yeah like i mean I, yeah. I can always think of the people who like helped me come along and it's just like i i would have been i was i was like a little innocent deer just running around not i didn't know what the hell i was doing until somebody like grabbed me and was like okay you seem like you're eager so let me point you in the right way uh yeah community literally literally and like, so one of the things that another thing that like is one of the basis of the classes that I teach is call and response, because that's also part of our culture. It's mm-hmm. so ingrained into our culture, but it's that it becomes part of the writing practice itself, where, you know, if if an artist or a writer has called, like they've they've set that foundation, they've they've done that beginning work. I, I feel a responsibility to like have a conversation with that work, with my own work, and to continue on that journey and, you know, to leave a call for the ones who come after yeah. as well. Yeah, no, all, yeah. I, I think I think Black writers in particular, we understand that all work is in conversation with each other. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And I, think, I think we understand that in a way that sometimes other communities may not. And I think you hit the nail on the head because of that call and response. We understand that, like, we feel a responsibility to each other that I don't think other mm. groups necessarily feel. Like we, yeah. yeah, there's especially in America, we have that toxic individuality. I think. Right. Ooh, yeah. child. <laughs> <laughs> Look, I'm sure she's noticed yeah. that a little you bit, asked right? About challenges. Uh. <laughs> 
look, yeah, that, that's that's yeah, yeah, and and the 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 saviorism complex. Yes, <laughs> everyone. Sorry to call it no, out, it's but the it's truth. like we, the yeah look. the 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 I hate the the what is it called the single hero oh, trope. The chosen like, one. It's just, yeah, because the chosen one is usually someone who has no skills to actually even be the chosen one. How do you truly? They're just like, uh, it's you. Yeah. Okay, go oh do my it. Gosh. White mediocrity. <laughs> yeah. That's like, like you, you grew up on a farm with goats and Yo. you were isolated from the world. And now all of a sudden you have the skills to take on an advanced empire. <laughs> Well, I guess. Like, but. like what? <laughs> How? Like, if anybody was going to be the chosen one, it should have been Princess Leia, to be quite honest. Right? Come through. Yeah. If, yeah. If she was doing the work. She, she, she understood the system. Like, she was in it. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. She was. <laughs> yeah, so it's just, uh, yeah, no, I feel you. We, we, have a, we have an issue with saberism and a messiah complex. Uh-huh. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, it's just mm-hmm. sure. Yeah, all the Save the Children in Africa references. Just. <laughs> and you know what's oh, so. It's. And I, I, this is one th- thing that makes me grateful for social media is that, like. Yeah. I feel like a lot of those. That propaganda about the continent has just finally yeah. starting to be just torn away and people are realizing. Yeah. Especially, I, and you know, honestly, I could care less if black, I mean, if white people are just realizing, I'm just happy black people here are starting to realize yes. mm-hmm. Like, you know. Yeah. Like. Yeah. And you know, I have, like, I really believe that their, ta- like, white people's tactic and colonial regime's tactic and imperialist imperialism's tactic was divide and conquer. And I really feel like that was used against Black people all over the world to, like, create these stories and stereotypes about, like, you know, right, right. that people who are far away from you. Yeah. Right. And I feel like social media, in a lot of ways, is, like, torn the fabric of that and then we have writers like you out there yeah. now who are telling these stories and showing like one africa isn't a one country like it's multiple <laughs> it's multiple places multiple people it's like a whole ass a continent, continent. Yeah. it's not just one unified place and it's full of yeah. its own beauty and diversity and just like yeah so I think I think what you're saying about community is just like so important. And I guess mm-hmm. this is one of the topic of community. Um, I ask you this. So what piece of yours that's been published? All right, you know, it could be one that's not published actually. Um, what piece have you uh-huh. written do you think touched you the most personally? And is that the same work that you think touched writers the most? I mean readers the most too. Oh, Okay, <laughs> that's a hard one, cause I feel like they they touch different parts Ooh, of me. I like me. that answer each... though. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's a yeah, that's like a each... answer. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, each piece touched a different part of me. I think the one that I I keep saying that like I was gen I was like crying while writing was in This Is How to Stay Alive. Cause like that was coming from a very raw I felt place. It. I felt it. Yeah. Like, when I read it, I was just like, "Oh man!" 
Yeah. 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 <laughs> I'm, I'm so glad that that was communicated. And like, it was very important for me to like also emphasize that this was not a representative of all types of these stories. Like this was just one single version of the story. And like, there's so many others that exist. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that, that, I mean, I love, I, I love genre and I think genre is important, but you know, I'll be the first to admit some of my stories I write are just frivolous fun, but like that story, <laughs> that story felt important. Like that story yeah. felt like it, really it had weight and it had something to say. Yeah. 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 I'm so glad that you say that, Brent. Like, um, that, yeah, that means, means the world. Like, and I'm so excited that also, because genuinely my first audience is back home, are Kenyans. And, um, when I had people back home also validating the story also because of, um, you know, thinking about different things, like the, uptake in suicide and um and queerness and that whole still being illegal <laughs> and just a whole different context right, right, <laughs> in, in Kenya right. um for that situation like yeah there's so many things that could be said but like that this story actually means something to people is the most important thing for me and it feels true it felt very <laughs> true and I mean I'll be the- yeah I'll I'll be the first to admit I have I have grown weary with white queer stories in science fiction and fantasy. Yeah. I've grown very like worn down by them. So to get a, a queer story that's not only black but like from Africa was just like I was like, oh, this is mm-hmm. such a needed perspective yeah. because I think the other side of the coin, our our, our good white queer folks here, they they don't understand the nuances of queerness across international identities. And yeah, I'm hoping if they That's read your true. story. That's so true. That's so true. Yeah. Like even just thinking about like the way it is received <laughs> by queerness is received by like your community or your family or like the people around you. It's, I can definitely see the differences here are so stark and not that it's, Wherever in the world, there's still a lot of oppression when it comes to queerness. But like, there's you can see obvious differences even when it comes to legality and just the taboo that is still very heavy in certain cultures and communities. Yes, yes. Yeah, and you know, and at least sure. for me, with the with with I, I've seen it in a couple of well, I've seen it multiple ways with you know white queer folks and how they will talk down on African countries mm-hmm. for not being in the same place with legalities yeah. and whatnot as like the West without acknowledging it was your ancestors that created these barriers Yo. and these, no. these, these stereotypes and these, this oppression. This oppression mm-hmm. was built mm-hmm. by your brethren. Mm-hmm. And and mm-hmm. so I, that's why I loved your story because like I, I felt like your story, and I don't even know if this was intentional on your part, but I felt like that story was an in-your-face challenge to that like this this is how it really works it's not it's not it's it's still oppression but it's not this this ominous monster that you guys try to make it out yeah yeah and i'm just like i'm sorry but you don't have a right to critique us no 
you have no right yeah. <laughs> i'm sorry like that is let us like yes there's a lot of shit that we have but like if you're also not acknowledging how you play a part in it right. yeah. don't come into my country right. <laughs> and my home and tell me how we're not doing no, it right absolutely like, Every time I see it, and, and, and you know, and, and especially when it comes from a queer white person, I'm just like, how dare you? Yeah. Like, yeah. Like, how dare you? Like, you you, you fail once again to acknowledge intersections and you just barrel straight ahead. A hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. And that is literally what objectification is. It is reducing a people, a community, a person to one thing. It is like, this is all I see you for. And <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. And that's not it. Yeah. That's not it. And I, so I guess this is why I not like Neon Hemlock. And I guess I'm going to pivot to talking about your novella now. Yeah. One thing I like about Neon Hemlock is that, like, I feel like Dave wants a wide range of queer experiences. Yeah. Like, and he wants them yeah. for BIPOC people. So, yeah. So, yeah, I guess um, tell us a little bit about the novella and, like, how you kind of came to connect with Dave and like what the journey has been like so far in, you know, the process of getting the book out there. Yeah, sure. I mean, so I, so I was writing, actually, this is an interesting segue. I started writing the story and this is how to stay alive. When I first got into the MFA program, it had been on my mind before, but I hadn't figured out how to begin it. Um, and then the workshop, like when I submitted it for work, like after I had done it and I had written it like with my whole heart, <laughs> I submitted it for a workshop. Um, and I remember someone <laughs> critiquing a bit of it in a way that said that some of it felt like it was too much or inauthentic. And I was just like, and I cried after I was, I was like, what do you, what do you what? mean? Inauthentic. Inauthentic? <laughs> How, what? What? What, what? What color were they? Let's just put it out there. Right. <laughs> it was like Of course. Yeah, of course it was. They was of course it was. Yeah. And yeah, and and like that's why for me woo, having community that is also like black and people who like, you know, know your work is so important because they will tell you, you know, the truth. Because sometimes you'll get this feedback and it's utter bullshit. Yes. Because they don't understand the context that you're writing from. Um but yeah, so, but like the feedback that was really helpful was that this feels like it should be longer and it feels like it's part of a bigger story. Um, and so that's when I started like turning it into the novella. And I remember that, so I wrote like the first part in like a few months maybe. And then I wrote the second half of the novella in a day. It was the fastest I've ever written what? anything in my life. <laughs> I just sat down. I was like, oh, the spiritual inspiration is coming today. Okay. <laughs> okay. I'm not going to fight it. Not going to argue. And, uh, and it just felt so right. You know, when you like, you write something and like, even when you come back to it a few weeks later, you're like this. Yeah, this works. This is good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but my writing is very like, it plays with like in that space between the 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 physical and the metaphysical like realist and i guess slipstream is what some people call it and whatever mm. um but lp kindred is actually the one who told me about neon hemlock <laughs> 
when I was like, oh, I have a novella and I don't know what to do with it. <laughs> and I started reading some of the work that Dave had published and I was just like, this is pretty epic. Um, and there was a call for BIPOC submissions and I submitted it and um, Dave sent me the sweetest email being like, I like this made me cry. Like this, <laughs> like this was really, really beautiful. Like yada yada yada. But he was also like, but there are a few things which I'm not sure if they will work. So um, if you're willing to like work and change, so the the first thing that I got was a revise and resubmit. So if if you're willing to change those things and work on those things, then um, then we can see what will happen. And so around this time. I had also submitted the um, the short story version to fantasy, and um, Arlie also sent me the sweetest message saying that it was accepted. And I was like, "Whoa, whoa, 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 whoa! whoa. <laughs> what is happening with the story?" <laughs> um, and I, yeah, so I sent him. I actually sent an email to Dave, just asking, like, "Yo, is it okay if like the short story version got published? Would that like..." block the possibility of the novella getting published like what would happen in that situation he was like no that would actually be that would be pretty chill like (laughs) um so yeah after that i revised and resubmitted and i got the acceptance from dave and yeah yeah (laughs) what i i swear i was like screeching and (laughs) when I received that email but to be honest I'm always squealing about something I'm just I'm very easily excitable so (laughs) that for me was super exciting and working with Dave has been so wonderful I think like even before that like I I had well while we were trading emails back and forth I was talking about like the season of grief that I was in and like the people that I had lost and like like even the depression that I and then the anxiety that I was going through and Dave was like literally sending me articles on on dealing with stuff like that that were uh-huh. so helpful and so meaningful and I was just like this is just a sweet human being <laughs> like just a great human like you don't even know me <laughs> you're, <laughs> and you're engaging with my mental health why like no one no one asked you to do this so I think that's the thing that I noticed about him from the beginning from the beginning was that he he goes above and beyond (laughs) um he does the most which was um such a lovely lovely first experience and since then it's just it's been really a really really great experience working with me and hemlock like um you get to give input on the cover and like that was really cool and obviously he just finds things that work so well with a story <laughs> um as you know my cover dropped today hosted by i was just gonna say by... we, de- we can't forget to talk yeah, about yeah, that we, we definitely gotta talk about <laughs> it so for everybody out there um we fire magazine did the cover reveal for the novella today yes! and uh yeah so go to our website firelitmag.com and you can find it yeah i was so honored because it was our first ever yeah, and i was like, so happy to do it i wanted to i was like i want our first cover because i mean i talk about this a lot with um marshall and the guys but i just i'm like a firm believer in being intentional about the way i move through like the publishing space yeah, and i really wanted our yeah. first cover to be 
to be not just a black woman, but you know, an international black woman, and and mm-hmm. to you know, and it not necessarily be like a big five publisher. Like I wanted to show that, like, yeah, j- you don't need one of their stamps on your story for your story to be important and valid and worthy of being uplifted. Yeah. So. Yeah, so I was super honored. I was I was so happy Dave asked me. I was like, oh, I'm making this happen. Just watch. <laughs> also, the cover's amazing. So yes. you have to check it yes. out. <laughs> I think so, too. I think so, too. Like, I love it so much. <laughs> and, Brent, you know, you've talked about, like, not even having it be a big five. And that str- struck me because I'm just thinking about how even having like an independent publishing press and like this whole process has, everything has been so personal. It's been like, even being able to have this connection and interaction with you, the conversations that you've had with Dave and like, I don't know. I just feel like it's a lot more intimate. It is. And that's something that I really appreciate about this process. It is. It's so much. (laughs) And honestly, like, so I guess um, for everybody, I I mean, I'm I'm sure I've mentioned it before, but I have a novella coming out from the I Him Lot next year. Yeah, yes. I know. Yeah. So, so um, I'm getting a glimpse. The sound guy at this point. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I'm good. You guys are amazing. <laughs> so yeah, so I'm kind of getting a window into the experience. So like, I'm kind of like in step three, maybe, of where uh, you were at before. So like, it's mm-hmm. cool because I'm kind of getting to see the future a little bit with like you getting your cover revealed and being able to do stuff like this. So. Yeah, it's been awesome. Yeah. And you get pins. I'm very excited about the pins. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So I, I guess for everybody else, too, like the Kickstarter for the novella starts on May 1st. So May 1st. if you're interested in getting your copy pre-ordered and also getting the other novellas in the set for this year, you definitely should pay attention. Which are amazing. Yeah. All the covers. All, it's a pretty good lineup. Yes. Yeah. Yes. That's the other thing I like about Dave It's like, He's not he because you know with some indie presses like they half ass stuff like not Dave Dave That's is true. like yeah he's bringing in great Haunted. stories great writers different perspectives and like he's really on top of the cover game I can't talk about my cover yet just because it's not done but I know the artist and I'm so excited but it's like, I can't say anything I just gotta sit. I know I'm so I'm so excited about it like I'm literally you've left us on a cliffhanger I know. It just, I mean, I don't know if you thought about it in this way, but for me, at least I'm thinking, I'm like, damn, my first book that I get to hold in my hand is going to be a, a black queer story. Like, how awesome is that? So awesome. Yeah. And I'm thinking about that. It's wild. Like, yeah, like oh, that's so cool. Yeah. Yeah. I literally was thinking about it today. I was, you saw me screeching on my Instagram story. <laughs> like, 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 I'm going to have a book that I wrote in my hands by the end of this year. And that's wild. Cause I don't think it had hit me before. And I kind of was like in my mind, um, um, dismissing it to some extent. Cause I'm like, it's not really like until you have a novel and I'm like, this is the bullshit that capitalism teaches yeah. you and the publishing mm-hmm. industry. Yeah. Like, no, like, no, you be proud. Like, this is amazing. This is, Hundred yeah, so percent. Absolutely. You know, and I, I, I'm guilty of the same thing, so I can't like jump on you too much because I do the same thing. I'm like, oh, well, it's just a novella. Like, nah, it's not like it's not like I have an agent yet. You know, I'm thinking all this stuff, and it's like, no, like this is awesome. This is amazing. Yeah. 
So as the sound guy, can I throw something out at you guys since you're both kind of, I mean, you're both on the same similar journey, um, but uh, in different places. I'm curious, um, you guys have said a couple of times, like it's just a novella, it's just a novella. So do you, and I'm throwing this to both of you, do you have a trajectory as far as what's next? So some people are listening to this and they're like, oh, well, that's cool. If I get a novella published, then, and then Branch just said he doesn't have an agent. So a lot of us kind of are thinking, well, I got to get an agent to publish anything, but that's not necessarily the case. So do we know what's next or how to proceed from here? If you want to publish a novel and, and move forward and that kind of thing, just for our listeners, basically. I'll let you go yeah. first. I'll, I'll, yeah. Okay. <laughs> okay, cool. Um, yeah. So I am working on my, thesis which is a novel project right now and I feel like for me it was that thing that I told you from the beginning where I was like I had to have a plan like I (laughs) also I'm a Virgo so I'm like I hate not having like (laughs) oh (laughs) burn space (laughs) (laughs) I hate not having like a one to five year plan oh yeah y'all are hard workers there is nothing that matches a Virgo's work ethic so I already know (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but you know the funny thing is like I'm on the cusp of the Libra like I have I'm a Libra moon and I feel so Libra most of the time because I'm also really bad at making decisions um, so I'm a Libra like <laughs> that's a great oh, yeah. my <laughs> is a Libra my Virgo doesn't show up until we start talking about Venus then that's when my Virgo shows up yeah oh <laughs> that's a very particular type of love i know because that's not where that's not where virgos works really it doesn't really work in venus so it's interesting <laughs> yeah i love how we just changed the conversation to astrology. <laughs> i'm good i'm along for the ride <laughs> was my my plan is to hopefully um have this book done by the time that I graduate and then I can start querying um and in the meantime just like publish work and get it out there because I'm really yeah I really enjoy teaching as well so I'm mm-hmm. looking for ways that I can work that also give me joy um cuz I I really just I I don't want to be suffering day in day out. <laughs> I'm not trying yeah, to be struggling yeah. all day every day. No, um yeah, and I want the freedom to write my stories um not as a chore yeah. because I want to. <laughs> yeah. Um so that's a very vague answer. I am I was trying to get into PhD programs because I'm also interested in like the theory and and um, the history of, of black cultures and African, African cultures and gender and sexuality and that whole conversation. And I feel like a lot of my writing is also guided by some theory that I learn in academic contexts and settings. Um, so if I could be in a space where I am doing both of those things, where I'm teaching, studying and writing, those three things that would be really great for me. Sounds amazing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I mean, it sounds, sounds like a plan to me. Yeah, yeah. I'm a teacher at the moment, but I teach high school English oh, and so cool. digital media and various other things. I'm like, I would like to not be teaching high school 30 years from now. So I, I like <laughs> I like your plan a lot. So I'm actually going back for my MFA starting in the summer. So 
Um, I'm excited about that. In genre fiction as well. So I'm I'm hoping to have a novel by the end of it too. So I'm I'm older than you guys by quite a bit, but I'm 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 on the path. I'll get there eventually. (laughs) Love it. Listen. Time, time is the construction. Right. Yeah. <laughs> time, the, time, as we spoke about earlier, right. different, different theories of time here. So, hundred yeah. percent. I guess. What about you, Brad? What's next? Okay, so I'll just preface it with this, especially for the black writers, is like, don't think that your path has to look a certain way. And I say that mm. sitting here, mm. I don't have an agent yet. I've been a Hugo finalist four times at this point. So that so like it on paper, that's not how the path is supposed to go. So I think the um, best advice I could give is like give yourself the space for your path to look different and be okay with that. Because like at first I wasn't okay. I I have struggled with that at some points. I'm like, damn, I don't even have an agent. I'm sitting here getting Hugo's. Oh, well, not getting Hugo's, but getting nominated. I was like, I don't have a damn agent. I was like, this feels weird. And like, I was like, I don't, like, I love my community work. Don't get me wrong. I love to work with the magazine. I love everything yeah. that all the black writers that I've been able to help touch in some part, in some small way. But there was a part of me in the back of my head, this little whisper was like, well, that's not all I want to be. Like, I want to be a writer. I want books mm-hmm. out there too. So I would just say it's it's okay to like have a different path. And, you know, just know that you can work to your ultimate goal in different ways. You may just have to take a little side bend or take a little detour, but it, it, it will work out. Um, as for me right now, I, I guess I'm kind of a workaholic. I have too many things going on at once. <laughs> but um, <laughs> even as I'm working on the novella, I actually have a novel out that I am querying right now. So. Whoa. Yeah, yeah. So I'm. I have the novel I'm querying. Uh, I am working on the novella, and I mean, I have other things I'm working on too. So I just try to, you know, for me at least, this may not work for everybody, but for me at least, with my next steps, just always be working on the next thing. And like, and I saw this quote today from Matt Mickelson that I'm actually gonna like really try to like internalize now. He was basically saying, um. Don't think about your career as the most important thing. Think about the job as the most important thing. And what he was kind of saying is that like each individual thing that you do, think of it as the most important thing. And that way you're Mm -hmm. not disappointed. Because if you're thinking about the career as the most important thing, everything that you do is just a stepping stone. And there's no joy in each individual thing. And it's like each individual thing should be the most important thing. And eventually like you that. build a career out of that. You build something out of that. Yeah. So I'm trying to internalize that because I was getting into the space where I was like, oh, well, this will help me get here and this will help me pivot this. And it's like, no, just be present yeah. in the moment, be present in the work. So I'm trying to do that. So. I love that so much. Yeah, me too. Because awesome. like it makes me think about also rejections. Yeah. <laughs> because a lot of the time, once you hit the submit button, everything else is out of your control. Right. And the only thing that you can control is creating the work and putting and like submitting right. it. Just like shooting your shot in all the different right. places. So I really like that idea of like focus on the job, focus on the here and the now. 
Yeah. Also, because I've been practicing mindfulness a lot more, so this makes me think about like incorporating mindfulness into my work itself. Yeah. Oh, I love it, that. It really, I read it and I was like, "Oh, I need it because because yeah. I, I have some. I mean, not as much as I used to, but I used to have a lot of anxiety about my work yeah. and my age and like getting to certain milestones by a certain age and like freaking out about mm-hmm. it." Yeah, and so <laughs> I mean, this time around, querying actually has been not anywhere near as stressful as I expected it to be, and I think that's kind of part of the reason why is that one, I keep busy, I really don't have time to stress out, and then like two, it's just like accepting like I don't have any control over whether this person likes it or not. Like I just know I put my best foot right. forward, and that's that's all I can do. So yeah, wow, I agree. Yeah, so that would be my advice. Not, that, that helped me quite a bit. I know that was for the listeners, yeah. but that, you know, I'm gonna I'm I'm take some of that, guys. Thank you. <laughs> um, should we move over to our last couple of questions, yeah, or yeah, we want to? Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, let's. So, so we talked about. We're the, about at the hour mark. I'm doing my job. Right? Here, no, no, so. you actually right on top of it. So, um, yeah, I, I guess I had one more question actually. So, so with the novella, um. What are you hoping mm-hmm. that readers take away from it once they get done with the story? Okay, so again, anything that you take away, if you're taking away something, I will be happy. <laughs> <laughs> but I think one of the main things in the story for me, um, because it was, again, and I've, I've kept repeating this, it was helping me process my own grief, is to think about possibilities within. Um, spaces of grief or spaces of sadness. So one of the things that I really tried to incorporate in the story was like, even though it was a very sad story, I really was intentional about incorporating moments of joy and moments of possibility because that's how Black people have lived like all our lives. Like (laughs) even under the struggle, um, we have found and created pockets of joy and pockets of possibility, even in the sadness and the hard, the really, really hard parts of life. And and it's one of the most beautiful things about our culture and our, our ways of being and moving through the world. And I think specifically in this scenario with um, the conversation around grief, um, just thinking about possibilities. <laughs> in conversation with grief. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Selling me on it. I mean, I was already sold anyway, yeah. but I'm like, nah, I'm just like, just, yeah, take my money. Especially after reading the short story, yeah. I'm like, okay, can I have more of take this? Take it off. <laughs> <laughs> it, also, it also proposes the storyteller t- as time carrier. So that was one of my most oh. fun things to write. <laughs> oh. Okay. Uh, All right. I'm so excited. I think you might have sold our, our listeners pretty good on that one, too. <laughs> <laughs> well, before we let you go, and, and you're amazing. Thank you for spending time with us today. Um, yeah. the we're Our podcast is called Just Keep Writing. We always ask our guests this. Um, what keeps you writing? Ooh. <laughs> what keeps me writing? The fact that there are endless stories to tell. Yeah. There is always, always another story to tell. <laughs> Those what ifs, right? The what ifs. <laughs> the what ifs. <laughs> oh, that's yeah. awesome. Yeah. Yeah. And also people. People. People keep me writing. Sounds good. So uh, the last thing before before we let you go, um, 
I'm going to put links to your stories and stuff uh, in the show notes so people can find them easily. Um, but where else can people follow you? You know, Twitter, uh, you know, website, yeah, Instagram, anything like that you want to plug. And I'll put it all in the show notes so people can find you easily, especially when you got this amazing book coming up. Yeah, for sure. Um, so you can find me on most all social media at Shingai Belike. Um, so that's my handle. And also plug Voodoo Knots, which is the Afrofuturist collective that I co-founded um, with my really good friend Yvette and um, Yvette Lisa and Lobo, a great writer as well. And <laughs> <laughs> also LP Kindred and Hugh HD Hunter, um, who I co-run it with. It's a free summer workshop for Black Afrofuturist writers. So, you know, that's uh, definitely a thing that everyone should get onto. <laughs> and they all are so talented. Uh, and I mean, I told LP this in um, a, a chat we were having, but I was like, I really think of Voodoo Knots as the future in a lot of ways for black writers. Like mm-hmm. when I look at Joe guys and what you're doing, you remind me very much of like when the fire crew first started off and like when we were trying to like, you know, build that community. So I'm just so happy to see it. And you guys are like all amazing. And Yvette is wonderful. Uh, I actually, she was in the anthology. I edited for tour. Um, yes. and her story was when that story came in my inbox it was like <laughs> was it? I had to catch it it was such fire was I was like whoa hold on <laughs> almost scorched me like yeah <laughs> So true. That is such high praise, Brent. Thank you so much. Oh, yeah, no. <laughs> and the thing about it is that it's, which, which is what I love about what you're doing here, um, like holding space for transnational blackness <laughs> in the writing world. That's that's something that's super at the core of like my my heart and like what I want us to be able to do to to have conversations with each other across the ocean and you know all over the world. <laughs> For sure. Shingai, thank you so much for joining us. This has been a pleasure. Thank you so much and, for having me. And, uh, and, and, you know, we've been talking about community and stuff, and this is part of it for me. I, I live in a very small, rural, very white, interesting community. Um, and part of this came from the conversation with Brent and Will and them and just being like, how can, how can we widen this and help other black writers and just have this space? And so, uh, we're just, I'm just so stoked to have met you and spent this time with you. So thank you so much. We got to do it again. <laughs> oh, I'm so down. Yes. <laughs> Y'all will be tired of me. <laughs> I, I, I am ready to chop it up about some novellas when that time comes. Like, ah, yes. Uh, yes. So here for it. Thank you guys so much for having me. This has been so much fun. <laughs> thank you. We really appreciate you. Hey, a quick reminder here at the end of the episode, we have a contest running. Remember, if you buy a book by a black author and DM us proof that you've done so with a receipt or something like that, please email or DM us and we'll be entered to win in the contest for Suyi's new book. And this has been Just Keep Writing, a podcast for writers, by writers, to keep you writing. You can find us at justkeepwriting.org. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. Feel free to reach out to any of us on our social medias, and please jump in our Just Keep Writing Discord channel. Links to all of that is in the show notes. Lastly, please support our show by going to patreon.com slash justkeepwriting. 
We offer daily writing prompts, early access to podcast episodes, and much more. Thanks for listening, and just keep writing.